Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. And once you find that, I want you to mark it with your finger there. And I want you to flip to 1 Peter and hold your place. Just go right to 1 Peter. Now, you know, for church folks, uh, Easter is sort of like Super Bowl Sunday. You know what I mean? It's the biggest... It's the biggest of the holy days, the holiday. That's what holiday means, is holy day. And so, uh, I promised you that I was going to be in the Old Testament, remember, most of this year. So, I'm holding true to that promise. I want to show you something here uh, that is very powerful. Notice here, Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant... And like a root out of dry ground, he had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so He opened not His mouth. By oppression and judgment He was taken away. And as for His generation, who considered that He was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of My people? And they made His grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Flip to 1 Peter chapter 2. Hear these last few verses. Starting with 21 of chapter 2. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, 
leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Sounds like Peter had been reading Isaiah. Those words in Isaiah were spoken 600 and some odd years before Jesus. And yet, when you read those words, it's unmistakably the life of Jesus. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Your Word is powerful, is sharp, it cuts all the way down to our soul. My words don't. But Your Word does. May Your Word go forth this morning in such a way that cuts to the quick. Like a surgeon searching out the cancer that will take us. And would You heal us with that sword? Would You purge us from that sin? Would You conquer our enemies with the sword of the Spirit? In this place, in this hour, we know You can do it. Do it, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, Easter's one of these holidays where it's a little odd. People are getting really dressed up. You know, folks feel like they have to come to church. People are going... I mean, people, the streets were packed with people all dressed up in pink and, you know, blue and all these springy colors. And yet it's not, it's not like Christmas. You know what I mean? Like Christmas, there's a, there's a lot of return for us. I mean, you know, we get a lot out of Christmas. Whereas Easter's sort of... As far as like a holiday, it's sort of a, just a little blip. You know, you don't get off work. There's no great Easter music that sort of precedes. You know, there's no... The fun part about Christmas is you get to make a list of everything you want. That nah, doesn't happen at Easter. Sort of St. Nick kind of beats the Easter bunny. You know what I mean? And this whole thing, everybody wants him rather than just the Easter bunny. He seems to just bring some candy and stuff. But the real gifts come from Christmas, Right? but not in Christian thinking. Today is the day of all days. If today doesn't happen, none of it makes sense. If today doesn't happen, it's all in vain, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. We can go home. We can stop worrying about it. We can stop trying to live a good life. There is no good life if He did not rise from the dead. There is no eternal life if He did not rise again. And yet, He is risen. And yet, (laughs) I think the tough thing for us, we can kind of wrap our heads around the whole virgin birth and, you know, God becoming a man. I mean, trust me, that that takes a while. But most of us, we, we sort of feel like we have a handle on that. I mean, the Scripture sort of tells us a good bit about what that means for us. But with Jesus' crucifixion, You see on that table the thorns that remind us of this week. 
You see the cross that reminds us of what happened on Friday. When we look at the cross, when we ask ourselves, what did God accomplish by doing that? We understand the baby thing. We understand that He had to become one of us in order to raise us up, in order for Him to be an example to us. We've got that down. But what we don't seem to have down is what did He accomplish in dying for us? What did He accomplish in suffering for us, with us, in our place? What does it all mean? And here's here's the shocking part is the New Testament just simply doesn't explain it like we oftentimes would like it explained. Many of you are engineers or at least have a, have a mind of an engineer. You're around engineers, so you have to start trying to think like them. And one thing engineers like to do is explain things. And I love that. I love to explain things. I love to be able to explain things. There is not a question that my kids ask me that I cannot explain. And I do a great job of over-explaining so that they don't ask a bunch of questions. <laughs> And yet, when we come to the cross, when we come to the resurrection, if I were to ask you, what does the resurrection mean for you? It's really just tough to say. It's sort of like asking me, what does Jessica mean to you? Well, she means everything to me. She means so much to me that it's hard for me to really articulate what exactly she means to me. Words begin to fail us, doesn't it? And ultimately, what this points to is that God's salvation is not something that we're going to be able to just simply understand and check that box. G.K. Chesterton is famous for saying, there are two things in life that never get boring. Stories and people. And the reason stories don't get boring is because people are involved. Tell a story about a plant, not many people are interested. Something crazy somebody does. Hey, we're all interested. What who did that? What what'd she say? We're very interested. Stories and guess what the Bible's filled with? <laughs> Stories and people. Just like us. People just like us. They weren't superhuman. Their mistakes are broadcast. Thankfully, we didn't live during the Bible times. My mistakes would be all over the Bible be a complete disaster. You see, what He's done for us, we're not going to be able to understand because it's a mystery. There's so much that He accomplished in the cross, in the resurrection, that there's no way it's in a three-point outline. There's no way it's going to be, hey, here's the five things Jesus did for you. No, it's too much to be explained in that simple of a way because it's not simple at all. We're dealing with God. We're dealing with the One who created physics. The One who created biology. The One who created astrophysics. Black holes and all You know, I watched Interstellar recently and so I got all freaked out about these black holes and wormholes and bending time. And you know, I mean, it's like, wow! And then I stop and think, God did that. Like, He did all that. He knows how that works. We may never know how that works, but He does. He created you. He created your mind. And so you think you can think over Him? That's impossible. No, no, no. This is bigger than us. This is beyond us. You heard Rachel just a moment ago say, we have something to trust in that is greater than us. Isn't that good news? Amen. 
Haven't you learned that you're not enough yet? I sure hope so. I know that I am not enough. Have you ever realized something now that you're older that happened to you back in the day that you saw it happen, but you did not understand the significance of it at the time? You knew it was important. People were getting dressed up. People were doing stuff. You knew it was important. Words were being said. And yet, you didn't understand it fully. You ever, you ever been in that situation? Uniquely, there's one time I remember when I was between the ages of 12 and 14. Actually, at Christian uh, Skate Castle. Or not Christian Skate Castle. It was Christian Skate Night at the Skate Castle Indicator. Anybody ever been there skate? You know, doing a... That's how I skate at least, you know. Um, I just do the one leg thing. Um, we were skating there and, and they had a time where they stopped everybody skating and there was this fellow who got up before everybody. They, they cut the lights off and they put a light on him and it was a, he was a mime. I'd never seen a mime before. He had the white face painted... And he got up with the white gloves and he did a song by Ray Bolts called Watch the Lamb. It's a very powerful song. A song that, that really impacted me when he began to act it out. And I knew I was watching something that was significant. I knew I was hearing something that I knew was important and yet I didn't have the categories to really process that. I didn't have a place to put that. I didn't really know what that exactly meant. Watch the Lamb. And he tells the story in the song of these... You know, he goes to Jerusalem with his two young sons. And they say, you know, Daddy, what are we going to see here today? And he says, we're going to see a bunch of people worshiping. Your job is to watch the Lamb. Because they brought a lamb for sacrifice for Passover. Song goes through. He gets jerked out to actually carry the cross for Jesus, with Jesus. And goes to the cross and he's standing there when Jesus is crucified and he says he feels two little hands. And when that mind you know, is doing this, it was really striking me, even at you know, 14 years old, uh, that something was going on here. Something was being communicated here. Something was being said here that was really important and yet I really I didn't understand it. And as the song goes, the two little guys said, Daddy, we lost the lamb. And he said, sons, it's okay. Watch the Lamb. And he points to the cross where Jesus is. Watch the Lamb. The Lamb that was slain. The Lamb that Isaiah spoke about. The Lamb that Peter spoke about to us this morning. That carried our guilt. And as that mime walked off the floor, he walked right past me. I was a little tapper. And... I saw tears rolling down his eyes with his, with his makeup on and all that kind of just tears. And that impacted me even more than the song. Because what I saw was he was communicating a message that he really believed. He really believed that message. You ever met somebody like that? They really believed it. He really believed so much that it came out in his emotions. Here we say, if you're a true fan, that your emotions are going to come out in the game. You're a true athlete, your emotions are going to take you over. Especially at the end, you're just, you're so happy. 
that you've accomplished what you needed to. You don't have to be all emotional all the time, but if you never have any feeling of love toward God for His people, you may want to check your heart. It may be a heart of stone and not a heart of flesh. You see, God created everything good. Everything God created was good. And He even looked at it and said, this is good. It is perfect. What He means by perfect is exactly what He wanted it to be. When I say that a hamburger is perfect, that doesn't mean it looks perfect. We might have got the patty wrong. You follow me? Instead, it tastes exactly what I had in my mind. But you've had ice cream before where you were so excited about the ice cream, but then it just kind of dudded out. It wasn't that good. It had been in the freezer too long. It wasn't perfect because it wasn't what ice cream was supposed to be. When God created everything, it was the way it was supposed to be. But then we got involved. And as usual, we botched it up. We tangled ourselves up. We tied knots that we could not untie. We got ourselves into some situations that we could not undo. And so, we found ourselves fallen. The way the Bible talks about sin is not just individual. You say to yourself, well, I, you know, I know I'm a sinner. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not hurting anybody. What's the big deal to you? Why do you care? Well, the Scripture does not talk about sin just as individual irresponsibility or individual missing the mark. Actually, the main way that the Old Testament, which is the foundation, by the way, see me plugging for the Old Testament, talks about sin is corporately. In other words, they go through Jericho and... Achan decides, even though God has told them, do not take anything from this city. He says, hey, wow, that's a nice little Hart Schaffner and Mark suit. I'd look really good going to church in that. I'm going to go ahead and pick that up. God would appreciate me dressing up for church. Take some of this money. I know I'll give. He knows I'll give. And he hid it under his tent. They went to war after they had defeated New York City. <clears throat> then they come to Decatur to try to take it over, and they lose. And everybody's like, what is going on? God said, there is sin in the camp. Long story short, Achan, his wife, his children, his entire family, all his belongings, they stoned them to death, and then they burned them in the valley of Achan. You say, wow, that is hardcore. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. The reality is, if we could see our sin and what it does to the people around us. Not just us. The people around us. We would say the same thing. God forbid. What in the world is going on? God is trying to teach them something very early on. And that is you cannot contain sin. You cannot control it. You think you have it under control. You think you're a good person. You are not. I am not. Even in our best moments, we cannot trust ourselves. Haven't you learned that already? When we're in charge, it becomes a disaster. We're all about the self. We're narcissists. And yet, God can do something about that, can He? Isn't that what 
Easter is about new life. Even though we die, we can live. Even though you get yourself tangled up. Even though you crush other people's spirits or you tangle them up into your garbage. Guess what? He comes to untie the knots. That's what He's doing by becoming one of us. He came. He lived. He died. He rose. That is salvation. That is what He's accomplished. And that is what saves us. It's His grace. It's His righteousness. It's His way, not our own. Wesley has a nice way of talking about salvation. He says, some of us are on the porch in the sense that we're outside the door. We're not in the house. You may be interested. God may be dealing with your heart. You may know that there's life inside the house. There's family inside the house. But you are on the outside. You're on the porch. Thank God for His preventing grace that prevents you from going overboard, that prevents you from going to hell this very moment. Praise God for His delay in coming to get us. But don't remain on the porch. You must walk through the door. What is the door? Justification. Big word. Pardon. Being forgiven of your sin. Being declared righteous. You say, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know. He knows. And you know what? He's the one who says, you are forgiven. It's erased. It's cast away as far as the east is from the west into the deepest sea. Even with our technology, we can't get down there. He forgives us and gives us a new start. If that's not good news to you, you need to recheck and evaluate your life. We are sinners. We are not good. There's this show that, that I heard about just, just this week and it's called Moment of Truth. I don't even know if it airs anymore. But you basically are linked up to a lie detector or something or another and you, you make money by telling the truth. So they ask you all kinds of crazy questions. They'll, they'll have a, a very obese lady come in and, and she'll say, are you disgusted by fat people? And the person will stop to say, yes. And that, that lie detector test will tell them if it's right or not. Then they'll bring in an ex of yours. And, and this one lady, she was on the show. She's famous on the show. You can look her up. And she says, the question to her is her ex actually comes before them. And, and the question is, would you rather be with me than your husband? Was it me all along? And her answer was yes. And her husband's sitting there. New York City policeman. And, of course, the crowd is just like, ooh, boy. And, I mean, you just, you've, I mean, I didn't even want to watch it, honestly. It made me sick. And the next question comes, have you been sexually involved with somebody else? Why have you been married? Yes. And he just, he drops, you know. He, nobody says anything. Just disgust. Next question. Do you think you're a good person? Yes. Yeah, I do. And her dad over there, like a bobblehead, saying, yep, she is. She really is. She really, really is. No. 
She lost $220,000 because she could not admit that she was not a good person. She admitted to all that other stuff only to lose it all because she could not admit she was a bad person. If you've ever tried to witness, the most common thing you'll ever hear is, I'm a good person, really am. Really do. I do a lot of good in the world. Can I tell you something? As your pastor, as your friend, as your brother, your good works don't cut it. Amen. My good works don't cut I tried that. I tried that most of my teenage and adolescent life. I did everything that was expected on the outside. Everything that you're told as a teenager not to do. I obeyed. No sex, check. No cussing, check. No drinking, check. No smoking, check. Go to church, check. I had the checklist. I was Paul. Saul before he became Paul. And yet, when I was 17, it wasn't enough. I knew that night that I did not know God. I had done what God wanted, but He didn't want me just to do what He wants any more than I want my four sons just to simply obey me and not love me. No, the design is for them to love me, for us to have a relationship of love. And I knew that night that I did not love God. And that is not eternal life. I wasn't in the door. I wasn't living in the house. I had been justified. I needed to be sanctified. I was going in and out of the door. And if you come to my house, it's like a swinging bar door in that place with four kids are coming in and out all the time. We got flies and everything else that live in our house because of that reason. This is the bane of my existence. See that door fly open and then, and that's most of your lives. That's that's how most Christians live. Just in and out, in and out. Stop. Join the family. Be sanctified, holy. He has more than just a declaration for you. He has more than just declaring you righteous. Do not stop there. He wants to actually make you righteous. He doesn't want to keep it at a forensic level. He wants to go to the heart of the matter. He doesn't just forgive you so you can continue in that sin any more than Jessica would forgive me so that I can continue in a sin that hurts her. No, forgiveness allows relationship. It makes relationship possible. It should not be a license. And he can take care of that. He can take care of your wayward heart. He can fill your heart with love. He can turn you toward others. He can make you a life-giving person, not one that's producing death. (laughs) That's good news, folks. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Not me. Not my words. Not a belief. Not in your head. Not something you have to think about, but a person to look at. Because He is risen. You see, we're celebrating something bigger than us. Something greater than us. Something that I don't even have words for. But that's awesome. It'd be boring if I could explain it. You can't explain people. Haven't you noticed that? 
They're crazy. We're crazy. And God is crazy good, isn't He? And He's got crazy good news for you this morning. This What better morning than to open up your heart for God to transform you? What better morning could it be than the very day that we celebrate new life? It's a mystery, yes, and it must be believed by faith, by trusting, not by your works, not by anything we can do. Look to Him. Confess your sins. Be honest with God. Repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came. He lived. He died. He rose. Say that with me. He came. He lived. He died. He rose. That is our salvation. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. And then, you can be righteous. Not just declared righteous. He doesn't put on glasses and say, Oh, I can't see you now, I just see Jesus. No. No, no. He wants to make you look like His Son. That was designed from the beginning. It's what you were created for. He doesn't want to take away your uniqueness. He wants to clean you up. He wants to make you right which is what righteousness means. Are you on the right path? You can be today. What better day than today to make that decision? To allow Him to do it. He will do it today. It's not some long process. He can do it today. Amen. <laughs> That's really good news, folks. Will you deny yourself? Or will you deny Jesus? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.